clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Unreal. Rainbows high and deep into the end zone. And it is caught. Caught. Caught for a touchdown. A leaping touchdown catch. Here he goes. He'll be chased and he is caught. 97 yards. Does he get both feet in right here at the end, Jim? What are they going to roll it? He caught it? Touchdown! He did what? He did what? He runs to the 50. He runs to the 40. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. We are seeing another spectacular effort by Marino, who fires. Touchdown! Oh, that's loose. Allen steps up. Jumps over the defenders to pick up the first. Says a prayer. I am Adam Jeffrey Rossi. And I am Josh Lapping. Question mark. Welcome to our Super Bowl, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you know, we're gonna, I'll keep I don't making know why that. you're saying it's our Super Bowl, like it's not really the Super Bowl. Right, because, you know, I said this to you once. I may have been inebriated slightly, but I feel, like I, rem- I feel like I remember coming to you and be like, do you ever think about the fact that when people say, oh, it's our Super Bowl... But, like, our Super Bowl is the Super Bowl. Okay, okay. It's okay. I wanted, the, <laughs> I wanted that dead air because I thought it would be funny. Um, but regardless, yes. Our Super Bowl is, in fact, the actual Super Bowl, and it's here. And we're here. I feel like my Super Bowl might be the draft. You know what? That's a good point. Never mind. But we're here to – our goal today, friends, family – Enemies, if you're listening, our goal today is to get Josh Lapping actually at least a little bit hyped for the Super Bowl because the poor soul oh boy. is not and makes me sad. So we're going to hype you up, man. Let's do it. <laughs> Who's not hyped about OBJ and Matt Stafford winning a Super Bowl? Anyway, yeah, so we're we got uh, we got a couple of your of your typical things for the show. But uh, for the most part, since there's only one game to cover, we're going to cover it from every angle we're going to do a little tail the tape breakdown we're going to go through all the positional groups and sort of pick who we think has the better group between quarterback running backs receivers uh, offensive line defensive line linebackers secondary special teams and of course coaching we're going to go through each of them individually then we'll do some good old-fashioned prop table we ha- which we haven't done this year but uh one of my favorite things about the super bowl is all the silly prop bets that you can do so we'll do some of that. We'll pick some of those, do some cold reads, and then we'll give our official Super Bowl picks. Sound fun? Oh, man. Here we go. All right. Rant, rave, recall. I am recalling. Okay. Famously, what have I always said about the Pro Bowl, Joshua Lapping? You said that the Pro Bowl is a lot of fun. I and good. am good recalling. I'm recalling so hard. I was <laughs> disgusted absolutely disgusted and here's the thing the pro bowl skills challenge a lot of fun i i had an actual burst of honest serotonin watching russell wilson demolish the precision passing thing i don't know if you saw that but 
he was on fire. I have fire. seen it since. It was super exciting. Uh, I enjoyed the dodgeball of the Diggs brothers and Justin Jefferson's catches. He's jumping away. I enjoyed that. That was fun. I liked those contests. The Mac Jones win when it's against DBs and he threw a pick on the first one and then came back. Those are fun. What's not fun is watching fully padded professional football players not even tackle at all and have whistles blow play. What really blew it out and, and was the final straw for me was the Mac Jones play, which turned out to be like a good laugh when he ran all the way and did the gritty. And that was actually kind of funny on a play where he was able to keep running because they blew the whistle dead before anybody was within 10 feet of him. He gets out of the pocket, runs for two or three yards. They blow the whistle before anybody's anywhere near him. And here's the here's my issue with it. I get why they do this. It makes sense. But if there's no way to solve it, get rid of the game. Like, I'm sorry. I, I have always said, I have always, always said that it's fun. It's enjoyable. I get it. But it just dropped to a level of disgusting <laughs> this year that I have not, like, it's always been not great. But you still see every now and then, like, whether it's in the fourth quarter or it's in key down situations that, you know, the, the intensity ramps up for a second. It's like, ooh, this is fun, right? It was so boring and lame, and I didn't even watch the whole game. So I, like I said, it's the Pro Bowl. This isn't an, a controversial opinion, but I am recalling so hard on the Pro Bowl. It's time to rip cord, guys, or think of something new. Because the skill challenge is actually fun. And not everybody needs to watch it, but I legitimately love watching these guys do all these fun competitions. I think that's fun and exciting. You and I did that in our parking lot of our old apartment on, on days where we would do challenges for each other, right? That stuff's fun. But I can't with this Pro Bowl anymore. It was so bad. Finally. Well, that took, you know, <laughs> 10 years too long, but welcome to the right side. So fantastic. Well, that's me. Well, that that that's silly and lighthearted, and I don't, I don't want to get too into this, but I'm going to rant about something that I think is a fairly serious issue that's going on. Not this this stems from the football world and everything right now, but this is, I think, just something larger than football that, that's a problem in the world. And it all stems from the Miami Dolphins head coaching hire of Mike McDaniel because technically he is a biracial individual. He has a black father and a white mother, and he is a fair-skinned individual. And there are so many people coming out and just blasting about how it's ridiculous and we need to see his DNA testing and that he's not a black person or he's not a person of color and he doesn't know what they'll experience and he has no right saying that and everything. And I fully believe, and I have to preface all of this by saying that I am a white Caucasian male, so I it can be really difficult to have conversations like this and have opinions like this. But I believe that colorism is a thing. And I don't think anybody in any situation should be judging a person based on the how, how, I don't even, I'll just say it bluntly, how black a person's skin could be if they, are of that heritage. I don't I just don't think that's right and I feel like that is not helping us progress in any kind of situation and I think all these people like with these 
sayings that are that are either tweets or Facebook posts. I just think, you know, like why why are these things that you're getting upset and arguing about? And it just I feel like it's preventing us from being so much better in the world. That's a good point. I definitely think it's a part of a larger issue and a bigger conversation that we can't have and I'm sure we will have in our off season episode when we talk about, you know, the coaching hires and all these things and we'll cover the Brian Flores situation more deeply and when we do that whole episode. So I don't want to get too into that. And you're right. For the most part, it is, it is a big problem where, I mean, it just all falls in the category of judging people by how they look. Now I get the more serious comments about, you know, regardless of the level of blackness that you are or, or how dark a skin that you have. I I get the problem with, they still fired a head coach who is, and and regardless of, I don't know how to say this, I don't want to say this the wrong way, but they hired a coach that looks white, right? Regardless of what they what their heritage actually is, they still fired a coach that's black to hire a coach that looks white. And I know that, like, I don't want to have, I don't think it'll behoove us to have a deep conversation about that because, again, we're two white Caucasian males, right? I get that. Um, but I just wanted to point out really quick that I do get the head-tilting, eyebrow-raising concerns about what that looks like. But you're a thousand percent correct about all the jokes and the memes and everything about about this and saying, like you just said, when people are saying, oh, they're not black enough and all that stuff. I, I definitely don't think that that helps anybody at any point. But I just wanted to try as delicately as I can to explain that I still get that there is uh, a set of argument here that I think is valid to bring up. But the rest of the stuff that you pointed out, yeah, I think is hogwash. Well, sure. I mean, you can have a conversation about whether or not you think there is an issue with the NFL and their head coaching specifically. I shouldn't say just head coaching, uh, upper upper echelon of jobs and their diversity. But that that's a separate thing from saying that bringing into a question a, a man's or an individual's, doesn't have to be Mike McDaniel specifically, uh, his his heritage and you know who who he is or something because to say he's not enough of something as a person because it's just that's I think it's backwards and I think that's colorism so and also just to just to bring it back to football real quick off I I don't know if we said it on air or off air but you did say Mike McDaniel was the guy that you wanted at this point so. Just touching yeah, no, on this out, real quick out, again, like we'll... to, to go. It's been a fantastic week, in my opinion, for, for yeah. coaching hires. And you uh, also for, got for a fantastic special Mike teams McDaniel coach. was the was the guy that I wanted, and then the guy that I was talking about last week on the the show that I was sad wasn't getting a head coaching job with the Raiders. Rich Bisaccia, he got hired by the Packers. So great, great week for me. Great, yeah. Uh, so I guess real quick before we get into it, because I just want your like I said, you had mentioned that Mike McDaniel was the guy you wanted at this point. Again, he's the people we're talking about, obviously, with the 49ers, the the next, you know, whiz kid, genius coach, head coach. Now going to Miami, uh, I, people talk, of course, and say things that they don't mean and go back on him. He did say that he's looking forward for Tua being your quarterback next year. So just quickly, briefly, again, we'll cover this things in more details. What are your initial thoughts and expectations now with Mike McDaniel and the Miami Dolphins' future? Yeah, I'm very excited about this one. This was, you know, when Brian Flores was fired, you know, you start reading the the lists of 
hypothetical people that are going to be in for this job. And that's when I really first considered Mike McDaniel as he was on this list. And they said it really well. They think it could be, this could be a situation where it's a year too early for Mike McDaniel. But if you waited, then I think next year he's a much more polarizing candidate that a lot more people are trying to go after. I'm I'm really excited about this. The the more I've learned, you know, I think and it makes complete sense, I think, in in what the Dolphins were trying to do in this hire. We can talk about all of that later. To answer your question real quick, yeah, I do think two is gonna be in the building as the starter next year because in twenty twenty three, I guess. I don't you know, it's always weird that the draft is like the year after or something. In next year's draft, after we have this one, that's when the Miami Dolphins have two first round picks again. So I think if they are looking for some quarterback, they're gonna do it a lot more fluid then and they'll they'll look at that situation then. But I think Mike McDaniel is gonna come in. He's gonna try to get that run game going again. I don't think it's gonna be the same exact thing that you see in San Francisco, but he's going to bring a power run game because, I mean, he does come from that Shanahan tree, and that's not just meaning Kyle Shanahan. He worked with Mike Shanahan. That was the first guy that technically hired him. So they're going to focus on that run game, which was abysmal last year for Miami, and focus on more quick game for, for Tua, and I think having a legitimate run game that doesn't gain, you know, half a yard per carry will help open those things up. I'm excited. Yeah, and we've seen we've seen the positive and the negative of the hiring a coach a year too early thing. Uh, it happened just a couple years ago with Freddie Kitchens when we said this is a year too early, but maybe they're doing that so that they, they get ahead of it, right? And you know, But we've, we've also seen the positive in some aspects as well. So, you know, you hope it's positive, and everything I've read about the guy is really great, and I'm very excited for him. And everybody knows that I'm a big Tua fan and a big Tua believer, um, which is weird because he's in our division. <laughs> um but uh, I want to see him succeed regardless. So we'll see what happens. But that was one of my cold reads. I just thought it flowed a little better to put it right there. So Yeah, that's sure. All right. So let's get into the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 5-6. You want to know how I know that for sure? How do you know that for sure? Because I looked it up. Uh, but wow. also, man. But, but also, fun fact, that was uh, in, in my senior year of high school football, that was my number that I wore. So, 5-6. Super Bowl, Adam Jeffrey Rossi, senior year, homecoming king. Yikes. I peaked in 2012, guys. Anyway, let's dig right into this, and let's start at the top, the headliners. Let's start with the QBs. Joe Burrow, second-year quarterback, first-year full starter in the NFL, just two seasons ago having one of the best college football seasons ever by a quarterback and winning a national title with the LSU Tigers, and now... Two years later, with more cats, the Bengals in the Super Bowl against Matt Stafford, 13 years ago, first overall pick, has been much maligned in his career with Detroit. His first year with the Rams, Adams Super Bowl pick behind this the, this one reason, Stafford coming here. Who we got between the quarterbacks, man? Yeah, so where the question is like who... So we're saying, like, who has the edge here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're going to go through all of them and go, yeah, who has the edge? We'll each pick them, and we'll go back and forth. Well, I mean, I think it's 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 pretty hard is specifically for quarterbacks to say who has the edge because, I mean, you're talking about the guy that has really completed his first year, if you will, in Joe Burrow, and then you have the guy that's been around for forever. 
in Stafford. So if you go by veteran experience, I mean, you could say that it goes to Stafford, but I, I don't know. Like, I haven't seen Joe Burrow crumble in a big situation yet. And we haven't also seen that from Matt Stafford necessarily in this playoff run either because I think he's kind of distinguished those ghosts. And that's what everyone was talking about as he got into this postseason run and everything. But we're going to see it here. Um, You know, I will slightly, slightly give the edge to Joe Burrow and the Bengals just because even if, you know, the national title game isn't the same as the Super Bowl, although, like, they're going to be very comparable right as in the the pressures and and whatnot he's been there just two years ago where Stafford hasn't been in this kind of situation and in many 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 years so I think Joe Burrow even though he's the rookie might carry it a little bit better than Matt Stafford here you know I honestly and I'm you know I won't build the suspense here I'm going with Matt Stafford and I'll explain in a second but I truly did sit and think about this for those exact same reasons is that you're right, Joe Burrow has been in these moments before, and Matt Stafford never won a title or ever got in a position to win a title in college, so he's never been in that. And Joe Burrow has been winning titles at every level of his career. He won a a, a, a title in high school, he won a title in college, and now he's in the title game in the pros. So I think that's an excellent point, but I'm still just I'm going to go with Matt Stafford because I think that the fact that he has been – like I mentioned, maligned his entire career for his playoff record, not having a playoff win until his 13th season, and people talking about how he's not good enough to do it. I think the fact that he is now in this position, I think he's just in a different mode, a different mindset. He's had a pretty good, pretty darn good playoffs. He threw he threw for 41 touchdowns in the regular season and almost 5,000 yards, almost 70% completion percentage. I think it's just a different Stafford right now, and I think that – the thing he also the knock did on, throw an NFL high interception. So. so what I was gonna say is, I think that the knock on him in the regular season was the fact that he did throw 17 interceptions, but in the postseason it's been pretty much a different story. And now they've won three straight to get into this game, and obviously so did the the Bengals. I believe actually, it, in terms of seeding, it's only the second time that a number's been this high because they're both four seeds. So it's eight total for the total of seeding, which I thought was interesting, but. I, I think I'm going to give a slight edge to Stafford just because I think that what's driving Stafford is a career legacy type thing right now because he may not, never get back to this, right? Now, he's he's not ridiculously old. He's only 34 years old in terms of quarterbacking. Tom Brady just retired at 44. Now, not everybody's Tom Brady, but he probably still has this <laughs> handful of years left. However, I don't... I think it's just as likely that he never gets back to this game again. So I think for him, it's sure. this is my chance to put a stamp on a career that's that's filled with amazing stats, but not a ton of winning. And I can stamp the career. I said, but I took this team to the Super Bowl. I was the missing piece for this Super Bowl run. And Joe Burrow, as much as I love the Although kid. Although I don't I, think it, he can say it. I think, sorry. I was just saying, as much as I love Joe Burrow and I love the story, uh, I think that he's got a long career ahead of him and that it's it's less important that he win this one and more important that Stafford win this one. Oh, I absolutely agree with that narrative for sure. 100%. I mean, but it's no because, quarterback but it's, in their second year. Right. There's, you know, 20th start and he's be like, oh, my career hinges on this. Like, right. it's ridiculous I'm just, that he's here. I'm, like, saying, I'm just saying that that differing fact, I think, is what's going to push Stafford to have the slight edge in the game. I mean, that's fair. I get it. 
But I also will say now instead of waiting, I don't think anybody gets to now say that X player was the missing piece because that's the whole Ram story is they went in and acquired every piece. So I can't be like Matt Stafford was the the missing piece to doing this because you know then why did they go and get OBJ and I mean the only but the only Michelle I guess I guess Von Miller is one is one point that I'll 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 uh, secede to you but really all I did was swap OBJ for Robert Woods. And they lost That's Tyler Higgins. only Higgy. because Robert Woods went down after OBJ got there. It's not like, right. like oh, man. Right, but what I'm saying somebody. is that other than that, the only difference in the team is Stafford and, like you said, Von Miller. But they also lost uh, defensive so pass rush, too. Who was great. So Michelle's been pretty good, too, yeah. But they were missing yeah. a lot of pieces. Regardless, I, maybe maybe not the one missing piece, but obviously the biggest piece. All right, moving on to running back. <laughs> he doesn't agree, guys. Ooh, okay. We'll circle back to that if we want to fight later. It's fine. All right, uh, moving on to running back. You did just mention Sony Michelle, and obviously Cam Akers, part of that backfield as well. And then in the Cincy backfield, we've got Joe Mixon and Samaje P. Ryan. Pretty darn good. Had a huge, huge play in the in the title game. Yeah, he sure did. It was one of the biggest plays of that title game for the Cincinnati Bengals, and it was very much necessary. I, uh, I'm i curious to see what you have to say about this one. Yeah, I'm going with Cincy just because I think overall Mixon is the best back out of all of them that are listed, and I like K-Makers a lot, and I do think he's actually played decent. I think that people are overblowing how well he's played. They're like, look, he led the playoffs in running yards, and I'm like, well, it's been a playoffs where most people have been passing – and he's also only he's also <laughs> not averaging that many yards per carry. So he's been good. I don't want to say he's not been good, but I think people are overblowing how good they think he's been. Regardless, I just think Mixon's the overall best player out of all of them, and that P. Ryan is definitely in the underrated category right now. He may be rated a little bit better now because people saw that big play, but he's a pretty darn good back and a pretty darn good path catcher as well. So I like the combination of the two of them. And like I said, I think Mixon just overall does everything better than any of L.A.'s backs. So, well, I wasn't going to argue with you until you said that statement because I don't think Joe Mixon does everything better than I think. You could you could make the argument and not necessarily be flat out wrong saying that Joe Mixon might be the best running back in this game. Okay. But when you're fair. looking at, and I don't think the the gap is even big between Cam Akers and Joe Mixon. I think if Cam Akers doesn't be. get hurt in this in this off season, uh, less than a year ago, he would have taken the league by storm this year. I think that's. So I mean, he was a, yeah, he was a, a fantasy darling. So, with all that being said, I don't disagree with you about Joe Mixon being the cream of the crop right now. But when you look at Cam Akers, Sonny Michelle, and there is rumor floating around right now that Daryl Henderson, who also had a pretty good year filling in for the injured Cam Akers, is coming back off of IR, that group right there blows Joe Mixon and Pirine out of the water. Wait, hold on, hold on. Say it one more time. The group of Cam Akers... Sony Michelle and Daryl Henderson is absolutely better than the group of Joe Mixon and Samanje Pirine. Hmm. Interesting. I don't know if I disagree with the fact that it's better, 
But blow them out of the water? Oh, blow them. Samanji, <laughs> okay, so Samanji P. Ryan caught a 40-yard screen and took it to the outside of that. Samanji P. Ryan's done about more Samanji than... P. Ryan doing anything in the playoffs. Samanji P. Ryan has done a lot more than just one play in this playoffs. Well, that's what you just said. You're like, he's being valued because of that play in the playoffs. I said that he has been becoming more popular. You know, I brought up his stats because I really wanted to drop a stat on you, but this and year they're he not only good, had, are they? He only had one touchdown this year. Yeah, thank um. you. <laughs> oh, but you know, Sony Michelle, who had like six, that's number two back. I like Sony Michelle. People have been ratting on Sony Michelle a lot, but I like Sony Michelle. That's because he's taking fine. the back seat now. If you want to say blow out of the water because they get a third person, then fine. Go ahead. I mean, I'll if put, you want to talk about the third back of the the Bengals, you know, I Chris will. Evans, I will. It's Jamar Chris Chase. Evans. It's Jamar Chase, and he's great. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. You win that debate. Moving on. <laughs> so uh, coming down, I will say. So I I did go to Cincinnati, but so you're saying that with or without Henderson, you're going with the Rams. Yes the the group of the Rams is better. Okay. It cool. tips the scale to them. Got you. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. So moving on to our next group, the wide receiver group. This is a fascinating conversation. Because it very much is. I think they're both very, very good. And while um while Jalen Ramsey can't actually guard Cooper Cup, as I stated last week, uh it'd be pretty <laughs> funny to see. Cooper Cup <laughs> uh, won't line up as somebody against somebody as great as as Jalen Ramsey, but we have Cooper Cup, the aforementioned Odell Beckham Jr., who's been pretty pretty. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Has been pretty uh, reliable in the playoffs, and uh, they've really needed him at times. And then obviously they have Van Jefferson, a younger player as well, who's been who's been pretty good. Obviously, uh, did I have tight ends as a separate category? Am I just? I can't remember if I put tight ends or not. Regardless, I'm I'm looping. not sure because I don't I'm know which tight ends are going to be playing. So I'm roping tight ends on this by also saying that they're not going to have Tyler Higby most likely, but we'll see. Uh, and then on the Bengals side, you've got an amazing trio of young receivers in the mentioned Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, who's been great at times, and, and the title game was pivotal for them. And then, of course, Tyler Boyd, who apparently has not dropped a third down pass in two years. Uh, I just saw that stat on Twitter uh, earlier today. And then same situation with their tight ends. I, don't, I think CJ Uzama is, is out. But he's this one, this he's one, not going to miss this game. All right. That'd be, I think that'd I be big because like, he was pretty big in I the playoffs. I feel like that uh, is pretty iffy, though. This is really close, is it not? Right? This is a tough one, yeah. Okay. So if... I think it comes down to, for me, I think it comes down to versatility. And while Cooper Cup and OBJ are certainly not not versatile, I think I'm going to go with Cincinnati on this one. Simply because I like the wide variety of skill sets. I jokingly said Jamar Chase as their third running back. But he has been used coming out of the backfield a bunch of times. I mentioned in the, I think it was the Tennessee round, they had a really fun play where they rolled him out and he was in the backfield and they gave him a little pitch and then he ran out and got the first down on a pivotal play late in the fourth quarter. Um, I love the ability to give him the ball in space, anywhere on the field, and he can make a play after the catch. I also love that he's 
certainly fast enough to take the top off. He certainly can leap high enough to high point any ball. So you have him being able to do pretty much anything. And then you have T. Higgins, who's this large, big target who can go up in make those contested catches in the red zone on key downs. And then you have Tyler Boyd, who I mentioned is third down machine. He's go-to guy. Find the spot, catch the ball. You saw that a handful of times in the AFC title game. He made some very key catches for first downs late in that game. So I, I like the overall uh, dynamic of that. And like I said, I'm not trying to say that Cooper Cup and OBJ are one-dimensional. I'm just saying that of the three big weapons of Higgins, Boyd, and Chase, I think, can do more things really well than the trio of Cup, OBJ, and Van Jefferson. I think you just made a great argument, one that I definitely don't disagree with. I think my heart says to agree with you, but I think, you know, Cooper Cup, the the Triple Crown winner from this year, my Offensive Player of the Year, tips so many scales just because of what he does and what he brings to the table and how he does it. I don't have the exact number in front of me, but of all of Cooper Cup's targets this year, which obviously was league leading. Uh, actually, I don't know if he was lead leading in targets. Um, he did finish. He finished with 145 catches, 1,947 yards, and 16 touchdowns for reference. There is another stat out there, and again, I apologize for not having it in front of me. There's something like only 13 of those catches were contested catches, so this guy is just a, a magician off the line. He's not even being covered. He is, you know, his yards after the catch could be a great wide receiver's year, just those yards alone. So I want to say Cooper Cup tips the scale because I agree with you everything about Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and then you throw in Tyler Boyd. Like, that's amazing. And I do think we need to come off OBJ a little bit because, I mean, he is amazing and he's caught touchdowns this year and everything. Yes, I agree since he's been to the Rams and it's been extremely important in revitalizing his career. But the fact is he's only had one game with 100-plus receiving yards since he joined the Rams. And it was the game that we just witnessed. So that's what everyone's thinking of being like, oh my gosh, remember when Cooper Cup and OBJ go for 100 yards each? Like that's only happened one time. And if you want to make the argument that it happened when it needed to, maybe it did. But when you have a another 1,000-yard receiver and T. Higgins lined up against Jamar versus across from <laughs> Jamar Chase, I mean, that that's hard. But I will say, for the sake of argument, Cooper Cup, is like three wide receivers in himself. So I'll say the Rams. OBJ did but show I, up but in, I the want... best, in, the, in the best moment. And that's the same argument as Samaj P. Ride, baby. Let's go. But I discredited OBJ. I said <laughs> yeah, it doesn't you're right. really matter. No, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Uh, you're absolutely right, though, about Cooper Cup. Uh, in fact, in, at the Pro Bowl, the Athletic, uh, for those of you who don't know what the Athletic is, it's an online uh, news source. They write... At uh, analytical articles about sports, they did do a poll at the Pro Bowl, and they've done this for a couple of years and polled the players there on who should win which award. And when they said MVP, number one by far was actually Jonathan Taylor, and then it was Tom oh, Brady. Cool. It was Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and Cooper Cup got the fourth most votes. So oh, that's I, so wrong. I feel like that that's whack. Why? 
Because I I won't make I don't even care about throw the I believe Aaron Rodgers should be MVP at the window. I don't have no I have no problem giving it to Jonathan Taylor, but saying that Tom Brady deserves it more than Cooper Cup making him fourth? Nah, okay. that's 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 trash. Okay, I agree with you actually. So <laughs> um but we all know it's going to go to Brady or Rodgers, and you know we'll have to live with it. But I do think Taylor or Cup, one of them, when they do the NFL honors, which I think is what Saturday, I think that one of them will be one of the three I think finalists. It's Thursday. Is it Thursday? Yeah. Well, regardless of what they, I do think that they'll be one of the three finalists that they show on the on the episode. So regardless, all right, let's move on to the offensive line here, and I'll leave this up to you if you want to debate this. The, the Rams have the edge, right? <laughs> Uh, yeah, the Rams have the edge. <laughs> okay, yeah, we don't need to spend a lot of time on this. Obviously, the offensive line of Cincy has been under major scrutiny this offseason, and for good reason. There were nine sacks against the – was it Tennessee? It was Tennessee, right? The Tennessee Titans. Correct, yep. Uh, and a crazy game, but obviously we mentioned that in the game, title game against Kansas City, they protected them pretty well. Only a couple of sacks. They actually sacked uh, Mahomes more than – then Burrow got sacked, so maybe they're coming together. Maybe they'll play a little bit better, but certainly against this fearsome pass rush, which we'll get to next, um, that it'll be a, a crazy test. So we're both going Rams on that one. So Josh, so far, Josh, in terms of the offense, went Rams, Rams, Ram, or no, went wait, yes, no, you went Burrow, didn't you? You went Burrow. At yeah, I think I picked yes. Joe so you Burrow. did Cincy. You did Cincy. Uh, Rams, Rams. Rams and I went Cincy, Cincy, Cincy Rams. <laughs> so here we go. It's going to be great because it's going to be awesome when you end up picking Cincy and I end up picking the Rams. And it goes against everything we did in the game breakdown. Uh, let's go defensive line here. Let's talk about Cincinnati because I think we might both lean towards LA. But I, I, let's talk about Cincy because they've got some players starting at the top with Trey Hendrickson. Yeah, Trey, we texted about this. I texted you that I was so, so glad that when Trey Hendrickson came over to Cincinnati from New Orleans after he exploded last year, that it was well worth the investment because it was a quote-unquote one-year wonder in New Orleans. He finally got a shot and capitalized, and it was kind of a risk to, to sign him to that large deal that they did and say, come out and do the same exact thing that you did for them. And it was really good to see that he has had the year that he has, and he has been a game changer. Yeah, so obviously Trey Hendrickson had 14 sacks this season. They also have Sam Hubbard, who had seven and a half sacks. They had Larry Ogunjobi, who had seven sacks. I don't. What's the status in Ogunjobi? I know he was out for the title game. Do we know at all? I'm pretty sure he's just been placed on IR. He's out. Okay, see, I, w I wasn't sure or not. But then they also have uh, B.J. Hill, who had five and a half sacks, and then I think it's rounded out by D.J. Reader, who had two sacks. So they have players, for sure. Like This is a pretty decent defensive line led by a very good player, but it's the Rams, right? It's the Rams. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know if you include Von Miller in this, but he does play off the edge sometimes as a pass rusher solely. But it all starts with well, Aaron I mean, if Donald. you make that argument, you have to throw in Logan Wilson for Cincinnati as well. That's a good so point. That's a good he, point. He's but, a very good player that but I very much like. If we're being totally honest, the argument starts and ends with the best defensive player, possibly the best football player in the NFL, Aaron Donald, 12 and a half sacks again this year, 12 tackles for loss, 25 quarterback hits. And then you have a guy like uh, 
see, and they do use on this defense a lot of different guys coming in, like Leonard Floyd and Von Miller both come in for sacks, and they're in the sack leaders. Um, but, I mean, yeah, it, it's got to be the defensive line just because of Aaron Donald, and that really could be the argument. Yeah, I don't disagree with you, although my unpopular opinion is I feel like we need to let go of the Aaron Donald's the most dominant player in the NFL. Like, yeah, he's really great, and, you know, years ago, I think I would agree with that, but I don't I don't think he, he he's not that for me anymore, and that's probably an unpopular opinion until, you know, the final drive of the game against San Francisco. I There were... I don't think there should be a point when a commentator says, you know whose number we haven't called? And that is the person you say is the most dominant player in the NFL. Fair point. It might be in terms of defense at this point because the defensive player even, of the year, TJ Watt. I would still, Watt, TJ Watt. I would take TJ Watt over yeah, Aaron Donald. That's what I'm saying is I think at this point it might be TJ Watt. Um, but that's a good point. Uh, but that's a given. We're both going with the D-line over there. Now let's get to the linebackers for both of these teams. Uh, obviously, the linebackers for um, the Cincinnati Bengals. Sorry, uh, uh, we have Joe Bocci, Marcus Bailey, Jermaine Pratt. Uh, they mentioned Logan Wilson. Now, Wilson and Pratt have been pretty darn great all season, but especially in the playoffs, uh, interception after interception. I think actually Bocci might be hurt. He's a young linebacker that was having a really really great season. But those are the the linebackers for the Cincinnati Bengals. And then going to the LA Rams, we have. Uh, Traven Howard, Ernest Jones, Kenny Young, Troy Reader, and then out outside we have Terrell Lewis, Von Miller, and Leonard Floyd. The, the last two being mentioned, obviously the two big names. So how do we feel about this one? Yeah, this one, the 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 whole defensive conversation, in my opinion, is pretty tough because I think both can be lights out and then both can disappear at any given moment and we've seen it this is very true and points in this postseason we've seen it uh points in the regular season with all that being said you know i actually uh this is tough because i feel like i shouldn't go against the the rams here but i i really like logan wilson i really like um jermaine pratt just even when they're they're not household names, but they've been coming on at the right moments. And I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna tip my scale slightly to the Bengals on that. One. I like that. I like that a lot. I'm gonna I am gonna go with the Rams here because I just really love Leonard Floyd and Von and Von Miller and the fact that they're able just to pin their ears back a lot of downs, move up and you know play that hybrid outside linebacker defensive end position so well in terms of pass rush. I I think that again it's very close, but I think I'll slide it towards them. And that's setting up me when we go to secondary for... I'm taking the Bengals on secondary over now. Now, hear me out. Hear me out. I know what what the Rams have, right? I know that they have Jalen Ramsey. I know that, right? And I know that at, at, at safety, Nick Scott has been, has been pretty good, and Taylor Rapp is a solid player. But I think the overall unit of Cincinnati is better. I like... Uh, I like Trey Waynes and Trey Flowers and Eli Apple and Mike Hilton and Shinobi Ozuia. Sorry, I mispronounced that. I know that. Um, and I like Jesse Bates and Von Bell. Like I like that secondary unit 
better than I like the unit in LA. I know how good Jalen Ramsey is, and I know how some of their other players here, I, I know that they're solid players. But outside of Jalen Ramsey, I don't think anybody else on that secondary really blows me away. And I think that combined together, Cincinnati gives me the, I give them the edge in secondary. So here's the thing. I don't disagree with a single thing you said, which was my running back argument that you could make the case that Joe Mixon was the best. And then this case being Jalen Ramsey, but I 100% agree with you. I pick the unit of the Bengals and it goes back to those safeties, Jesse Bates and Von Bell. They have been having a phenomenal postseason. They are helping solidify a lot of things because the names that you talked about, Mike Hilton coming over from a free agent, Eli Apple, who's, this is his third team after being a first round pick. Like they aren't household names. You're like, man, that's a lockdown corner, but those safeties are helping make those guys better by being so solid. And they, those two specifically, Jesse Bates and Von Bell make me favor the Cincinnati secondary because you're right. There's, there's no competing Jalen Ramsey, who I think, and I still feel very comfortable and confident saying, I think he's the best corner in the league, but when you're talking about as you go down the list, you know, like they have a guy, and I don't want to say this meanly because Eric Weddle led the team in tackles, but they're having a guy that came out of retirement to fill in for for injuries because they are so depleted back there. So I, I do like do the agree I, with you. I'm I do like the the voice clip of Tom Brady. Uh, giving a, a congratulations to the Rams after they won and saying, man, you how sore you got to be. How, how sore are you going to be tomorrow <laughs> um, from how much you played? Because uh, Eric Weddle was quoted as like when they were up so much, he was like, okay, thank God. And, he, and then he goes, you had to make it a game, didn't you? I was just ready to relax. So I, I do like that point, though, of course. All right, so we both go Cincy on that one with the argument. And I think it also – it's partly because of the matchup, right? Because – the, like Jalen Ramsey could cover Jamar Chase, and that'll be a really fun matchup to watch. But I don't know who's going to be on T. Higgins or Tyler Boyd that's really going to be able to stop them, right? So we'll see what happens. I also don't think anybody's going to line up one on one with Cooper Cup. So I think it could be a pretty fun game if that uh, protection holds up. Let's let's go over to special teams. Um, special teams, I think, is a lot about coaching. We've talked about that a lot. It's a lot about getting people in the right spot to not make a mistake, but also just to highlight the returners for each team. Uh, Trent Taylor, wide receiver for Cincinnati. He also actually made a big catch in the title game. He made a big two-point conversion reception. And then Brandon Powell on the Rams is their number one returner. So who do we give the edge to special teams-wise? Oh, I think this one in my opinion, is pretty slam dunk. The guy that has led the postseason for the Bengals in scoring. I'm going to go with my guy, Evan Shooter McPherson. I think it's all the Bengals because this guy can line up there. Uh, you know what? I think if it comes down to it, Zach Taylor, they have a 70-yard field goal. He's going to be like, go try it. And you know what? I wouldn't be like, oh, he can't do it, which, you know, <laughs> probably can't. But I wouldn't be like, oh, it's over. Like, I'd be like, okay, this guy's going to be like, hey, looks like we're going to Disney World, and then they're going to score. So I f have complete confidence in him. I will pretty confidently say the Cincinnati Bengals on this one, although I do love Johnny Hecker for the rest. If, if the Bengals win this game on a game-winning kick and Evan McPherson doesn't, A, say what you just said, and, B, get to be the person who says it to the camera, I will riot. 
Okay. <laughs> but of course, uh, Evan McPherson uh, during the season was 28 of 33, which was only 84% field goal percentage. But in the postseason, he is a perfect, I believe, 11 for 11 now, including three straight game winning kicks. Of course, it is the Cincinnati Bengals special teams. And I would pick them if it was just Evan McPherson. But I do also think they have a pretty decent special teams. Last but not least, let's go with the coaches. We've got protege versus master here in Zach Taylor versus <laughs> Sean McVay. <laughs> yeah, this one is pretty easy for me. I think it's Sean McVay. I think not only do I think Sean McVay is still a slightly better coach. I don't want to say slightly. I think Sean McVay is a better coach than Zach Taylor. I think he has a better staff around him. And I don't want to discredit anything about like the we haven't been here, so we don't know. Like, that can be a good mentality. But Sean McVay's been here. He's been at this stage. He's lost. He knows what it feels like, and he's going to try everything he can to make sure that doesn't happen again. And not only that, McVay has stated that he believes they lost the last Super Bowl to the Patriots because he prepared incorrectly. So I think that he's definitely prepared for it this time. I agree with you. I like Zach Taylor. He's certainly a rising uh, – I don't want to say star in coaching, but he's certainly a name people are talking about more – when he was on the hot seat to start the year. So absolutely going with McVay yeah. here. Awesome. Let's do some prop table. I love this. Well, I'm you're not gonna recap and say what we did. All right, so I didn't write it. total tallies. I didn't I didn't write it down, so let me see if I can just do it off memory. Okay, so Josh went Cincy for the quarterback. Then he went uh LA, LA, LA for running back receiver O line, and then he went uh, L.A. for the defensive line, and then he went Cincy for both the secondary and linebackers, and then he went Cincy for special teams and Rams for the head coach. Now, I went Cincinnati and Joe – or no, I went – sorry. Man, I was so close to being so well done. I went <laughs> L.A. with Matthew Stafford at quarterback, and then I went Cincy – three in a row or two in a row for running backs and wide receivers. And then I did go with LA for offensive line, defensive line and linebackers. And then I went secondary and special teams for Cincinnati, just like Joshua Lapping. And then we both rounded it off with Sean McVay. So, you know, it would seem that I would lean towards Cincy and that you would lean towards LA, but we'll see what happens in our picks. Now, Let's get to some prop table because this was one of my favorite segments that we didn't do this year just because it requires a lot of uh, note keeping by myself and I've been very stressed. So, but I do love Super Bowl prop bets. I think they're a lot of fun. It's a blessing in disguise that I now live in North Carolina and I can't actually bet on these things because I'd probably bet $100 in something like the coin toss, which is a good place to start. The coin toss. Heads and tails are both minus 104. What do we got? What does that mean that they're both it has to be one? Uh no, neither of them are favored. It's a perfect even. Uh betting yeah, is gonna, weird. Betting wait, is weird. I, is this who wins or if it's going to yeah, be gonna, heads or tails? You're going to pick the one. You're going to pick we're we're each going to pick these and we're going to see who won the most prop bets. I'm just asking what I'm picking, heads or tails or which yes. team wins? Heads or tails? Uh heads. Okay. You know, I really thought I was going to get you on that one. Is there a specific reason why you're going heads and not tails never fails? Um, Because I think 
any team, especially with how we've seen this playoffs, uh, they're going to want to save that for, for the for the overtime when tails never fails when they need it more. Ooh, that's an interesting one. I like that. Okay, so we're going to go good old-fashioned over-under here for longest touchdown scored. Okay. Wait, you didn't pick. Are you? So you picked tails? I know I picked heads because I in my head I was like, well, tails failed too many people this playoffs, so I'm going with heads, <laughs> um, including my own team. So I'm spurning tails. So everybody should bet okay. on tails because that's when things go wrong for me. Longest touchdown scored. The over under is 42 and a half yards. This does include return yards. So if there is a punt return or a kickoff return that's over 42 yards, you do win this. So over or under, what do we got for longest touchdown of the game? I'm going to go over. Okay. What type of play do we think it is? Uh, screen. Screen pass. I like that. Okay. I'm trying to write this on now. <laughs> um, so longest touch of the game is 42 and a half. I will go. Let's just put A for Adam. And I will also go over. Um, I think it'll probably be a bong. <laughs> that sounds bong. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, it's going to be a bong because a wide receiver is going to smoke a defensive back, um, which actually works for what I was going to say. I think that Cup or Chase actually just gets behind a defender in, on one play, which is obviously prone to happen, and that they just, like I just said, smoke a, a defender. So uh, we both going over. Uh, I'm not going to write down the reasons because I can't write that down while I'm also holding the mic and my phone. Uh, moving on, uh, let's yes. go. Let's go. Rams or Rams or Bengals first touchdown. Go ahead. Uh, choose, Rams. Choose Rams. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I am going to agree with that. So I'll do Rams because I think that even if the even if the Bengals get the ball first. Um, they very often this postseason have uh, kicked the field goal on their first drive, and they yeah, the, ramp it up. The whole thing is we we're a second half team and we can overcome anything. I think you right know, earn that mantra right. by getting ahead early. So, so I think I think smart money is is Rams for sure. I agree with that. Okay, let's let's look at some more ones right here. More prop bets. Um, ooh, <laughs> this. Sorry, I had I had a I had a couple of fun ones and I lost them because it won't let me. It won't let me open up uh, the app anymore because I don't live there. Okay, so I'm going to give you the – oh, this one's fun. So you can predict the final score, and it gives you options. So the so the biggest payouts, okay? The, the biggest payout is if the game ends 13-6 Bengals. The second one is 13-7 Bengals. The third one is Rams 28, Bengals 10. And wow. then the fourth one is Bengals 16, Rams 14. Which of those top four would you put 10 bucks on? Which of those top four, if I had to pick one of the four, I would pick the third one. I also agree, and I actually don't think that one's wildly out of the question, right? Because we both have mentioned that it's possible that, you know, they could end up, the Rams could end up winning by a couple, but the Rams scoring four touchdowns and the Bengals only getting one and a field goal, actually not that crazy. So uh, I agree with that one. Awesome. All right, let's go to uh, team to score last. I will. I actually, can I just can I add on to that? Why I think yeah, go ahead. That yeah, absolutely makes sense because yeah. if the Rams are ahead like that, 
they're not going to be sending McPherson out to send those kicks. They're going to be trying to go for it. Yeah. So they could they could lose possessions that way because I would say that they won't only kick one field goal. But if they're down, I don't think they'd be like we're comfortable just to kick field goals. So I feel like yeah, that you're could be a semi plausible thing. Your perfect scenario to the Rams twenty eight Bengals ten is Bengals start out kick a field goal. Rams come out score a touchdown right and then so far if you're following us then you just won your first touchdown bet and then Bengals come out <laughs> dr- Bengals come out and stall the rest of the second half uh Rams score another touchdown we go into halftime 14 to 3 Rams get the ball to start the second half Rams score 21 to 3 from then on the Bengals are never setting for a field settling for a field goal again midway through the third quarter down 21 to 3 so then you're just betting on the Rams score one more and the Bengals score one more, and that's the end of the game. That's your perfect scenario right there. Put 10 bucks on that. I think it'd be fun. All right. Um, uh, last team to score. Now, this is on any play. So it could be a field goal or a safety. Uh, say Cincy. Awesome. Awesome. Lowest scoring quarter. Um. That's interesting. Um, I'm going to say the second. Mine is going to be the first quarter because I actually, and again, this one's, this is a controversial one, and actually this one pays out the most money. I'm saying the first quarter because I feel like in a lot of recent Super Bowls, we haven't seen a lot of fireworks right off the bat. Right? I think it, I think it normally takes a lot of teams some time to settle in. The only argument against this is that both these coaches are really great on script, so both of them could have fire scripts to start the game, and it could be fireworks to start, which would be fun. But I feel like Super Bowl. That's, really I, that's start what slow. I think is going to happen. I think both okay. these teams are going to do okay to start off the game, but then they're going to slow down a little bit before they get into the locker room to to readjust. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, that's all. Those are my those are my favorite uh, favorite props. Um. I guess one more we could do really quick is what you can do in terms of prop bet on FanDuel or Fox bet is you can choose an anytime scorer. So you bet money on this on the person and any if they score anytime, you win money. So the the ones that pay out the most money <laughs> are let's give you the top 5. You have uh Mike Thomas who is a lesser known receiver for the Bengals plus 2900. So if you bet a hundred bucks, you win three thousand um, dollars. Brandon Powell is plus two uh, twenty seven hundred, uh, who is the returner we mentioned for the Rams. Buddy Howell, who I don't even know who that is, is plus two seventy. Tell me how somebody named Buddy Howell, somebody that I don't know, has better odds that are than two people I do know. That's weird. <laughs> um, Jake Funk, who obviously won't get a lot of work now that Daryl Henderson is going to probably come back, is plus twenty two hundred. Uh, yeah, and then like how Trent- are some of these? Like, I feel like Mike Thomas at least, you know, could be out there. Jake Fox, yeah, is he going yeah. to play? And Brandon Powell, and then again, Trent Taylor is number five at plus two. Those guys are punt returners. So, out of those five, who would you put? Who would you put five ten bucks on as a flyer? Oh, Thomas, I think is the easiest one to say because I mean, at okay. least he could get that out there in a rotation where. Yeah, I think isn't you know, he the like four- I said, Jake Funk, he's not even play. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic and then if you had to put on uh, obviously any of these these players could score if you had to like bet your you don't have a mortgage but if you had to bet every dime that you <laughs> own on one player scoring a touchdown which player would it be like outside of a quarterback 
Yes, it can't be a quarterback unless it's a rushing touchdown for them. Say Matt Stafford's done that twice in this postseason. It's true. Um, I I would say my go-to to score a touchdown would be Joe Mixon. Really? I was gonna. I'm saying it, I would probably say it's Cooper Cup. So, but hey, if you believe that much in Joe Mixon, Joe Mixon's plus 100, so you can double your money if you want to. Um, and I'm not a gambler, but you, you I also think did... Cooper Cup definitely has the your situation of being that guy that could take the 40 yard. But I I think we've seen when they get down into the red zone, Stafford for whatever reason really prefers to look at OBJ. That's a good point. That's a good point. I will say, if you are a betting person, Josh did mention this, and I was going to point this out as one of my favorite bets this week, is Matt Stafford's plus 800 to score a rushing touchdown at, at any time in the game, and he's done it twice this postseason. They like that QB sneak if they get down to the goal line. So we'll see if that happens for sure. That was some fun little prop table. Uh, I like doing it just because it's fun to predict aspects of the game, and I do like to bet, but I haven't done it pretty much this whole season, so that's fine. But I will say, at the beginning of the year, I did place a $5 bet on the Los Angeles Rams to win the Super Bowl because that was my Super Bowl pick preseason on simultaneous catch. And that does pay out 70 bucks if I win. So we'll see what happens. All right. So uh, we got uh, cold reads before Pals picks, right? Uh, sure. All right. So I gave you one cold read already. Um I will give one more cold read, and then I'll toss it to you, my friend. So, kind of honing in on the, uh, the, the the narrative with the head coaching hires. Again, we're going to talk about this a lot, but I, I want, because I have an obvious answer for this one, I want you to tell me the most underwhelming head coaching hire of this cycle, and like the one coach that you're like, I don't really like that. So they're different answers, or um, are they different for same? you? <laughs> are they different for you? Because if they are, that might be fun. Um, I don't know if I think. I, yeah, I mean, I I do actually think. Um, most underwhelming, I think, is and, I, and I'll take this in the situation that I don't think it's exciting because I think it was forecasted the entire time and that's dennis allen being promoted within the saints i mean i told 100%, you when sean 100%. Payton stepped away i'd be i said i'd be shocked if they hire outside the organization so it's not that exciting so dennis allen steps up that's just you know it's underwhelming it's not underwhelming in terms of performance although he did not have a great track record as a head coach in his past stint but we'll we'll have to see um and the question was it what was it my least favorite hire was that the other part yeah, I was yeah, basically. Uh my least favorite hire is Matt Eberflus to Chicago. And it's not because I have anything against Matt Eberflus. I think he's a great coach. I think he's a great defensive mind. But I, I, I just don't like that. I feel like this is similar to what we saw in in Denver a few years ago when everyone's going offense, they went with Vic Fangio and went defense. And I think right now more than anything, Chicago needed somebody to help infuse great offense for for Justin Fields. And so when you have the guys that you have in Chicago on the defensive side, and they have some good ones, they have Keem Hicks, they have Roquan Smith, they have, you know, uh, Eddie Jackson, who maybe isn't that great anymore. 
I still think he's pretty good safety, but they have a lot of great defensive pieces. You know, you could have gotten a really solid defensive coordinator and let them do their thing. I'm just not excited that Chicago zigged when everyone else is zagging right now with this coaching period, which, you know, maybe that's the reason they wanted to do it. But I just don't think that really spells success for their franchise. You know, I I didn't think about that a lot because I do like Iberflus, and we talked about him as a higher. Yeah, I mean, know, I think he's a great year. coach, and but I just don't think that's yeah. a great thing for their organization. And I entirely agree with you. Obviously, that hire falls on Luke Getze, the passing game coordinator that they uh, nagged from from you guys. I don't know a lot about him. You probably know way more about him than than most people. But it, that that that's what the hire is going to hinge on. If he's the right guy at offensive coordinator to unlock fields, but I thousand percent agree with you. I really thought they needed to go offensive coordinator. And now I still love Justin Fields, and we talked about him heading into this last draft. I liked him better than all the quarterbacks. I still do from last year, but I I'm really worried about it. And I now I'm not higher on this, but I feel more excited now next year for Daniel Jones with Brian Dayball than I do with Justin Fields and Matt Eberwolfs and I do think that says a lot Uh, mine's the same answer and it's Dennis Allen and I think it's a mistake and I like Dennis Allen I think he's a very good defensive coordinator but I think he falls in the category of good coordinators not great head coaches and I think that I, I don't I don't wish him failure, but I liked a lot of the other guys that they brought in. Number one being Eric Bieniemy. I really thought that that would have been a fantastic hire. They interviewed him. Uh, they interviewed him twice, I think, actually. And obviously, we talked about Brian Flores not probably being hired after the things that came out with the lawsuit. I still think he would have been a better hire. And then, I don't, well, you know, we'll see what happens. But I just, I, I, I'm not inspired by the Dennis Island hire. I'm just not. I wouldn't say I'm inspired by it either, but I think if New Orleans doesn't do well this year, it's not solely on Dennis Allen. No, yeah, New Orleans is true. kind of a mess right now. So, yeah, they got a lot of cap problems, and they have to decide if Jameis Winston, who was on, who was on a one-year contract, is worth keeping around, and they have to decide if Taysom Hill, who technically signed a four-year contract, but it's a one-year, and every year is voided if they want to. So they have a lot to decide in that building, and obviously the the Alvin Kamara news that came out over the weekend that I don't really want to get into right now because I am not read up enough on it, and I don't like to talk about things that I'm not fully read up on. So, all right. Without further ado, that leads us to the final segment of... I didn't get to give you a cold read. No, it's fine. I ruined that. It's fine. I'm turning Our off this Super episode Bowl right now. Episode. No, it's fine. The episode's over. It's over. Everybody leave. Go home. I ruined everything. I'm so excited. I messed it up. Will you just give me a cold read? <laughs> uh, I have two cold reads. Okay, yes. Uh, go the ahead. first go one ahead. is pretty simple, and it is something that we talked about sort of quickly for a moment ago but i think we can't go into this period without talking about it i want you to give me your list of nfl player awards that we're gonna have unveiled before we talk again okay yeah so yeah so go down the list it doesn't have to go into detail about why or whatnot but give me the big ones yes so we did this preseason and we'll you know we'll go through and and go through what our preseason predictions were obviously but just a quick rundown of what I said. Let me bring it up real quick. My preseason predictions were MVP Josh Allen. Obviously not going to happen. 
Uh, I said Coach of the Year Arthur Smith. I said Defensive Player of the Year J.J. Watt. <laughs> so it was close. Uh, I said Rookie of the Year Jalen Waddle, and then I said the Super Bowl the Rams would win. So I will say MVP. I think will end up going to. Ooh, this one's really hard to predict instead of what I believe, but I'm gonna say Tom Brady. I, I'm not gonna agree with it. I'm gonna think it's annoying, but I think <laughs> we mentioned it's a narrative award, and they'll probably want to give him one more as he heads out. So I'm gonna predict that. Coach of the year. I think there's a lot of options for it this year. There's a lot of frisky names that I like, but I think I'll go with Mike Vrabel on that one. And then defensive player of the year is JJ Watt or TJ Watt. Sorry, that one's very easy. Offensive player of the year, I think. All things considered, will be Cooper Cup. Uh, then we go uh, offensive rookie of the year, Jamar Chase. It's going to be Chase, or it's going to be um, Mac Jones. But I think I'm going to go Jamar Chase. Um, although Jalen Wall did have a good year. Uh, defensive rookie of the year, Michael Parsons. That one's a slam dunk. And then uh, you know we'll get to to picks later. Am I missing one? Am I missing an award? Yeah, no, I think you I think you nailed it. I agree okay. with with most of those. So. Okay, cool, awesome. Uh, and then my second cold read, and this is one that I I have really been thinking about is is pretty fascinating. And you were talking about you mentioned his name earlier in association with the Saints. Eric Bieniemy, his contract is going to be up with the Kansas City Chiefs. Do you think? He stays there, or do you think he's going to go somewhere else? You know, this is truly a fascinating uh, concept right here. I have no idea. And, you know, we, like you said, we, we've mentioned in every cycle that he's wanted to be a head coach and he's not gotten a job. So I don't know if in his head maybe he thinks, I need to go somewhere else and prove that I can do this elsewhere uh, without Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes to prove that I can, you know, be a head coach, or if he says, you know what, I'm still this is still my best chance. Eventually, the opportunity will come my way. Coaches get fired every year, and then eventually it'll just come my way. I don't want to jeopardize that for leaving. I think it depends on the urgency. I think in the end he will want to stick with Patrick Mahomes, although I do think it would be really fun for him to go elsewhere. Yeah, that's why you you took the words out of my mouth, and that's exactly what I've been thinking about since I, I've been thinking about Eric Bieniemy and possibly going somewhere else. I think it comes down to, in my opinion, right, wrong, or indifferent. I think if he stays with Kansas City, he is not going to receive a head coaching job because I think he would have at this point already. He has nothing more to prove that he can do in Kansas City, right? So I think it has to do with people thinking – the magic in Kansas City comes from Mahomes and Reed. And so I think if he wants to be a head coach, he needs to go somewhere else and prove that he is as smart as yeah. he is. And and I and or I don't th- I don't think that's wants to talk about winning rings and that's more important than his best bet is probably staying in Kansas City, wouldn't you think? Yeah, I I don't think that's crazy. It just drives me freaking nuts. It is annoying because the, the the people were asking the same question as is it Belichick and Brady, but how many offensive coordinators for the 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 Patriots got chances? Brian Dable for one. one. Uh, uh, you've got um, 
uh, Bill O'Brien. You've got uh, now Josh McDaniel. So that's three names that it came out from there. You've got the coaching. You've got quarterbacks coaches for the Rams not even being offensive coordinators getting jobs, and I I just think it's ridiculous. And we and again we'll talk about it later. Um, but you're but I I don't think it's I don't I don't think it's a stupid thing to say in a vacuum that okay maybe people think it's just Reed and Mahomes, but I think it's stupid when you when you look at context and see guys who are way less qualified getting jobs. That's that's all I'm saying. I'm not arguing about that. <laughs> all right. So you do the lead up this time because I, I ruined it. All right, everybody. This is our Super Bowl. It comes down to this. We've been talking to you every single week. We have been through the longest year in NFL history, and it all comes down to this. Super Bowl Adam Jeffrey Rossi, the Cincinnati Bengals are technically the home team, which is fun, versus the L.A. Rams. Fantastic, my friend. Fantastic. So, it is time for... Pals Picks. Oh, yeah. Yes. So, I would love to come on here. And, yes, that is fun that the Bengals are technically the home team. That is pretty funny. Um... I really want to come on here and say this is going to be a close game and it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be back and forth. But in my heart of hearts, if analyst Adam, who's watched hundreds upon hundreds of hours of football, really sits down and breaks this down, I really think Rams 31, Bengals 14. Oh, dang. Yeah. That's awful. That's Yeah, I think it'll be I, – I really think that both teams will score – Probably in the first quarter, I'll be like, all right, here we go, here we go. And then it'll be like within striking distance at halftime. And then the Rams will just pull pull away when Bro- Joe Burrow is forced to sit back and throw. And again, I want to be wrong. I want a great Super Bowl, but I just don't see it. Well, see, now you sound just deflated about it. You're not, you're not, I'm doing a still great excited. Job pumped and up. I'm going to have, I'm still excited. I'm going to have fun. But if I had to pick the game the way I think it'll happen, that's what I'll pick. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I feel like in in my my gut, this is a Rams runaway game, and that is why I feel like I'm not super excited. I will be excited to root for the Bengals to prove me wrong and to, to have that, to overcome that Goliath, if you will. But I think it's going to be real tough. You know, the fact that the Bengals in – in Kansas City had only two drives that went for 50 plus yards you know if Kansas City doesn't forget how to play football in the second half we're, we're not having this conversation and I don't think I don't see the Rams experiencing that although Matt Stafford we we're talking about hasn't been on that stage and maybe could make a mistake it's possible but I don't see them being in the situation of having short fields because Stafford fumbled or something and now they only have to go 30 yards so absolutely I, I, I just feel like it's it's stacked against Cincinnati right now. I am picking the Rams as well, rooting hardcore for the Bengals. It's the year of the Tiger, you know. That's true. That's true. It's the year of the Tiger. The the puppies on Fallon picked Cincinnati. The he got Ooh, to the, the good bowl point. first. So, you know, maybe maybe the world's saying why not? Who day? Or 
I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, you're right. You got it. Isn't you it something, it. something, it's really, it's something really similar yeah. to the it's Saints? Who day. It, it's Who Day. Oh, because is, is New Orleans the Saints, Who Dat? Yeah, New Orleans is Who Dat, and since he's Who Day. <laughs> That's so dumb. <laughs> I know. The com, the, Anyways, the comrades. Yeah, so say Who Day, and we'll, we'll certainly see. Terrible towels or, or, or calm rags. Uh, anyway, so I will nice. point out, I'll put a couple of my tips. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I'll put uh, my two tidbits right here because it fits uh, in, in the defense of Cincinnati, who nobody believed in two weeks ago, by the way, either. And they overcame that. Uh, Joe Burrow is the only the third quarterback in NFL history to have multiple game-winning drives in a single postseason and one of his first two career seasons. The other two, Tom Brady and Kurt Warner, both won the Super Bowl that year. Uh, uh, so I don't know what that name of the college says. Is Joe Burrow has been in seven uh, <laughs> win-or-go-home playoff games between uh, college and the NFL. Oh, it's an abbreviation for between. That was confusing, Aditi Kinkabala. Um, but anyway, Joe Burrow has been in seven win-or-go-home playoff games in his entire career of college and NFL. He has won all seven of those games. He's thrown 24 touchdowns and three interceptions. He's averaged 363 yards in those games. Joe Burrow said, quote, I play to get to these moments, end quote. So there's some fun tidbits for you if you're rooting for the Bengals. Yeah, that's what it comes down to. You know, this is this is. I hope, and that's that's all I can say because I don't know if I believe yeah. it. Like I said, I, I hope right. it's a, it's a fun competitive game because it it can be. I just feel like it's not going to be. But we're gonna get some good matchups. You were talking about the Jamar Chase versus Jalen Ramsey. Ramsey says he's gonna shadow, although you know I feel like he doesn't really often do that. But you know it's the Super yeah. Bowl, so they might throw everything out the window and be like, "This is what we're gonna do, and this is how we're gonna mm-hmm. do it." So that would be a fun matchup to see. We'll have to see if Joe Cool, as they're they're calling him. Although you know, it did drive me crazy. It drove me nuts oh, when against Kansas against Kansas City when they were talking. They're like, "Look, he 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 looks like he's Tom Brady out there," and I was like, "He looks like he's anxious and." He does not look like <laughs> calm, cool, and collected. He's like out there, wide-eyed, like yelling. He's like, "This is not. Don't, don't. Just that was dumb to say that. I hated that." I agree. I don't think he's anything like Tom Brady. Really, maybe he's got you know ice in his veins at certain key moments for the. Yeah, the no. I mean, it's totally cool. Half, you know, the swagger yeah. about like going and smoking cigars, like that's cool. But like when he's out there on the field, don't be like, you can tell like he's unfazed. Like, no, he totally he's looks running phased. around. He looks like running he's around a young guy to save his figuring life. Figuring out what's happening. Don't be like. He's a totally stone cold, like he has no emotion. <laughs> get out of here. Don't try Fan. to force feed this narrative to us. Fantastic. All right. Let's do our final Friends Fortunes of the Year. Who's going first? You can go first. All right. Three, two. All right, folks. So we know one thing about Adam Rossi, Adam Jeffrey Rossi, to always be true, is that he's normally wrong. So... Even though I said and I picked the Rams at the beginning of the year to win this Super Bowl, my friend's fortune, bold prediction, and this isn't just to say that I was right either way, even though I will say that on the episode when we break this down. I'm saying Evan McPherson makes it four in a row, game winning kicks. The Bengals win the Super Bowl 28. 
28. Yes, so they're going to have 25. It'll be 28 to 27. Bengals win. All right, that's me. All right, so I'm going now, and he doesn't know it. Let's see if he interrupts. I'm going to go to the guy that I have been all over this postseason as saying he is amazing and awesome, and I feel like hopefully he's the reason that the Bengals will win the game. Evan Shooter McPherson. His career-long field goal is 58 yards. I'm going to say he kicks a 60-plus yarder in this Super Bowl. What? Were you doing your friend's fortune? No. Oh. See, I thought you were. I yeah. So I finished it about 10, 15 seconds ago, and then I said, "Okay, that's me." And then you didn't respond right away. And in my head, I was like, "Oh, he's he's evolved even past counting down at all. He's just going right away." So I gave. Oh. <laughs> that's how much I trusted your comedy. I was like, "He's gonna." I waited fifteen seconds before, and I didn't even say, "Hey, did you hear me?" I tried to make a joke as if you were doing your friend's fortune. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so right. well, well, should I do it now? Yes, I'll cut that dead space out, but I'll keep this conversation. Nah, I'm in. just kidding because no, that's I, I enjoyable. Was my, I was, I was, I was kidding. I, I, I did my friend's fortune. Wait, really? Yeah. So I was right. <laughs> yeah, you were right. You went immediately. <laughs> ah man! I went, as soon as you said something, I muted my phone and did it. Yeah. Fantastic. That's why you're my best friend. All right, guys. That's all I have, man. Do you have anything else? That is it, you know, just uh, really, really hoping for some fun uh, on the screen. And even if it's not, you know, you got to you got to have fun with what you're given. Right. You know, last year's Super Bowl wasn't Absolutely. exciting, but we, you know, actually you got depressed that night. But, you know, I think us as a group had, had some fun. And, you know, for for all the, the Rams fans out there and the Bengals fans out there, you know, this is this is a big deal. This is something that doesn't come along very often it's hard to get here so you know just enjoy it embrace it have fun and if you're not a fan of those teams maybe you're not a fan of the game maybe you're a fan of the super bowl halftime show maybe or you're the, a fan commercials. Of the commercials just have some fun have some good food enjoy some company if if you're doing that and stay safe and and all of that good stuff but just just enjoy the enjoy the day absolutely my man so if it stands to reason that this playoffs is a trend, it will finish off with a bang, and we certainly hope so. Thank you all, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in for the 2021-2022 NFL season. We will have a recap episode in the coming weeks, whether it's next week or the week after, to recap the Super Bowl as our season finale before we head into season five next year of Simultaneous Catch. Thank you to those who joined us along the way. Make sure you follow us on our Instagram at Simultaneous Catch, our Twitter at Simult Catch, and we will see you all very soon. God bless.